Hey guys, welcome back to Open to Close. My name is Cody Banks, your host. I'm joined by Nathan and Roger, and we are just three bartenders at different stages of our lives and careers. And we want to sit with y'all and have a shift drink as we discuss a few topics in the industry that you might not hear about on Instagram or TikTok. So we invite you to pull up a stool, pour yourself a drink, and we'll get to it. Hey, Roger. Hey, Nathan. How are you guys doing? Hey, hey, hey how's it going? Oh, what up, what up? I'm doing all right. I'm just cracking myself a, a beverage, if you will. Nice. What are you drinking? So a little throwback to our last episode. I am now drinking a Fruit Smash Hard Seltzer by, um, oh, who the fuck is this by? New Belgium. And actually, oh, nice. Yeah, it's actually um, pretty fucking good. I'm very surprised. It's got some cool graphics on. It's got a shark and some raspberries. I'm about it. I dig that it. That last episode inspired you, huh? It really did. Well, it was either this or the Pap Strong Seltzers because those are still sitting in my fridge because they taste like butt. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is a nice alternative. What are you drinking, Nathan? Uh, I'm drinking a little concoction that I'm trying out. I'm thinking I'll call it a French old fashioned, an improved French cocktail. So it's a cognac, chartreuse, and a little bit of lime bitters. Okay. Quite tasty. I'm intrigued. Nice. His question. So am I. Sounds good. (laughs) How about you, Roger? What are you drinking? Um, I am drinking a Brita infused water over here. I'm, uh, no, I, I'm on some, I'm on medication right now, so I, I have to avoid a cocktail this evening, unfortunately. But uh, what are you on medication uh, for? Uh, for 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 stuff here and there. No, I I've been sick for the last couple of days and haven't really been feeling myself. So oh, just yeah, that's sad. just taking a just trying to take care of myself before the the shift this week. I mean, the worst, part, yeah. the worst part about being sick is not being able to drink on the medication, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to ride that wave, you can. But I don't know if you really wanted me being on here that loopy today. <laughs> I mean, I will always want you that loopy, Roger. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, if I'm sick, I, mean, I just it, drink a hot toddy and I'm, I'm good to go. Done. Yeah, true. That, that's my kind of medicine. Yeah, hot toddy, well, like four. You gotta get ready for your shift because uh, you just started at a new place, right, Roger? Yeah, I uh, I just started at a, a place nearby. Um, it's called the Bradford. It's uh, one of the first uh, rooftops open in Central Jersey right now. So, honestly, it's been quite the experience. I, I've it's been a very very long time where I've been able to like sit down with you guys and say like, hey, like I'm having a great fucking time at my job. Like I'm having a fantastic time working with the people I'm working with and everything like that. Well, you guys have like a stacked ass team too, don't you? Yeah. Uh, This bar team is insane. It's the amount of just not talent, but just the amount of creativity behind the bar. Um, Like meeting the minds, like when we sit down and do our like uh, R and D meetings and everything like that, the, the things that we split back and forth and, I find myself sitting there more listening than like speaking a lot of the times because I'm just intrigued to what they have to say because I see these guys as like big inspirations in the biz for me, um, helping me right now, but also from seeing them from afar when uh, like at competitions and everything like that. 
So nice. with, with rooftop blah, 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 with rooftop bar, because <laughs> I've seen pictures. Are you guys like actually on the roof and like open? Or are you guys almost like a penthouse yeah, type of thing? No, it's it's a rooftop. Um, it does. You can close it off um, if it gets too windy or for weather purposes or everything like that. Like they have like uh, like a something that comes down, kind of like a wall, but. Um, it's an open rooftop. It's also it's indoors and outdoors, but the outdoor part of the place is beautiful. It it's it's very Instagram friendly. It's it's for the it's for the pictures, you know. You're it's, shaking for the gram. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> a lot a lot of like like over this past like we've been open now for like two three weeks now, and man, like the amount of people that have come in and like. Like the Instagram followers and all these people, like I like I thought like having like two thousand was impressive. I I I checked out this one profile and this person's got like over seventy two thousand like followers or something like that. My question is, how hot is he though? Um. Well, he was a she. Uh, she was. Oh, so no, she was. So that I mean, yeah, answers my question automatically. Done. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Like, yeah. like every tit equals so like 35,000, 3,500 views, whatever. I don't – numbers, math, geography. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> can't hate the play. I hate the game. I don't know. Exactly. I mean, I mean I'm not downplaying that, but I mean most females are going to have more followers than men just because men are pigs. Yeah. I mean, but all in all, it's been, it's been a great experience. It's been awesome. Just, yeah, we've been open for the last few weeks and so far so good. Well, that's awesome. Nathan, what have you been up to? Not much, you know, just working at the uh, same couple of jobs that I've been at. The uh, change in weather has meant a huge uptick in business. I think also people are just tired of staying home. So everybody wants to come out to the bar Mm -hmm. and have a good time and get back to business as usual. So it has been very busy and I'm basically just trying to keep up with it. I mean that season changes. How about you, killer. Oh me? Um, well, this past weekend was Easter, um, so another holiday spent away from my family because you know I just moved to Colorado, and my brother and sister in law decided to take me on like a thirteen mile hike. So that was fun. Um, oh yeah, the inside of my thighs are still killing me. Like I thought I was getting a charley horse, nice. but no, I was just walking. Um, <laughs> I mean, besides that, though, uh, work has been good. You guys know that I started that uh, cool, like, food hall concept in downtown. Mm-hmm. And um, it's pretty awesome. Uh, I'm still kind of trying to get used to the whole feel because the culture shock in bartending from Jersey to Colorado has been – it's been weird. It's been a huge difference where, like, things that we've done in Jersey, like, past, like, five or seven years are slowly starting to pop up in Colorado. Like one of the menus that I saw had like, Oh, had like an acid adjusted orange juice or like, Ooh, try our new chartreuse swizzle. I'm like, I'm so glad you guys are having fun with this, but like I'm bored now. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, like joining a new team, you're trying to figure out like exactly where you fit. And like, so I've always been that like Highlander clause. Like there can only be one. So I only work as like the one gay guy. So I kind of just pop into that little, that little niche, if you will. And I don't know. It's been weird because there's one other person that works with me that has a similar experience that's from California, but literally has been trying to like take me down from the inside and talking about like me behind everyone else's back 
which is like, girl, come on, why? Mm. Like, yeah. when is when is the issue? Yeah, why stir mm-hmm. the pot? Exactly. Come like, we're both new. She started like a week before me, and I understand why you're trying to create like a toxic work environment. I mean, that's mm. kind of hard to find. Why not? Yeah. So with you trying to find a new bar team, this is basically a new place that was opening and you kind of mm-hmm. just being like, oh, okay, blindly going into it and kind of applying and then getting into it. And that's kind of how you guys form a bar team and you guys are forming your connections and your yeah. syzygy. Ooh, that was a nice word. Syzygy. Hey. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> your syzygy from the ground up. Uh, so Nathan, um, I know you restarted back at, what is it called? The old place? The old bar. Yeah. Oh, see, I was I was really close. The old bar in Old so City, close. run by an old man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, this place has obviously been open before, and you worked there before COVID, right? Uh, no, I joined them during COVID. Oh shit. Okay, never mind. I'm wrong. So, do you want to talk about that, or are you okay? Sure. As far as <laughs> what it was like joining the team. No, because that's not what we're talking about today. Obviously. Are you sure? No. <laughs> Isn't that the notes I sent well, you guys? Well, in that case. <laughs> so uh, it was really interesting because uh, the old bar is in a building that has been around for 150 years and um, or more. Uh, but it closed down uh, several years ago, the original restaurant, and then it reopened as a craft cocktail bar and it was very high end uh their opening bar menu had 87 classic cocktails 80 fucking seven wow yeah yeah it was but it was very impressive because they wanted to show off that they could make all of these old cocktails perfectly and they did in fact their um menu was uh james beard nominated and because it was very impressive and it was a heavily focused on uh, high-end craft cocktails. And they also served some food uh, because the previous restaurant had been a seafood restaurant. They had like oysters and, and it was a, but it was very much a craft cocktail bar that served food. And then COVID hit and uh, they shut down. And when they reopened and try to figure out how to fit into the new normal, they completely changed their paradigm into what does paradigm mean the uh way that they were running things got you okay cool 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 cool. tight 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 so they completely changed how they were looking at their business and what it was because they went from a craft cocktail bar that was only open in the evenings uh for a handful of hours to now it's a seafood restaurant that's open for lunch and dinner that also serves drinks so the kind of drinks that they're making at a craft cocktail bar are very different than the kind of drinks that you want at a restaurant and particularly a seafood restaurant. So when I was hired, it was uh, to figure out how to change the drink menu to fit the new paradigm. Now that you know what that word means. Thank you so much. I appreciate the vocabulary lesson. I'm, I'm here to educate <laughs> and that's why I showed up today. So it's the only reason why. So it's been uh, really interesting to kind of 
see what products are on the back bar that don't make sense and to figure out ways to use them up so that we can get rid of them so that we can bring in products that do make sense. And so there have been some times of weeding out the bar team that was there previously because not all of them were on board with changing the bar program. They wanted it to be the way it used to be and they were just sticking around until it went back to the old way so weren't even like, though it was never going to go when back you guys restarted didn't you have to like re-interview for your job you were telling me essentially or was that not yeah. you okay no it was you okay cool yeah so you because of the shift you basically had to re-interview for your position to make sure you fit like the new concept that they were doing yeah everybody had to reapply after there was yet another shutdown and they let everybody go. And that was kind of a, an opportunity for them to weed out some of these people that didn't fit with the new program. Lucky them. And that's pretty, I mean, so was there like a difference? I mean, this is a weird question. So you coming onto that team in the beginning of COVID, was there a difference between starting there and then this new kind of development from classic cocktail restaurant bar to craft cocktails was there like a, a shift for the team oh yeah it was a it was a huge shift from uh the kind of menu that they had before because it was their cocktail menu previously was literally a book that had about 10 pages with maybe five cocktails on each page and each of the cocktails had between four and eight ingredients. Jesus. And a lot of them were like these weird esoteric ingredients that maybe you've heard of, but you have no idea what it is, or you've never heard of it at all. And the names of the drinks, some of them were hard to pronounce, or they were references to things that didn't make any sense. And it wasn't a very approachable menu because it was bartenders trying to impress bartenders. Speaking of names that are hard to pronounce, I had someone ask for a Vox Carry the other day, and I almost peed myself. (laughs) Instead of a Vucare? Yeah. I was like, (laughs) Can I have a Vox Carry? Can I have a Vox Carry? And I'm like, I don't know anything (laughs) about what you're asking for. Like, my kind of thing is like, if I don't know what you're talking about, I'm not going to go and look it up to see what the ingredients are. I'm going to ask you, be like, what's in the cocktail? And if you can't tell me, I'm yeah. going to guess again. What's yeah. the next? And they usually end up at a Long Island yeah. because they're garbage people. Anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah, Fukure, Long Island, same difference, right? It's exactly right? the same. <laughs> yeah, they all have six ingredients. It, it, it's <laughs> the same. It's fine. So, <laughs> I mean... It's true. So uh, now we're at a seafood restaurant that only has 10 drinks on the menu instead of 50 drinks on the menu. And half of them are classics and half of them are not. And they're newer drinks. Some of them we created, some of them we uh, co-opted from other places. But to kind of showcase different flavors, but you only have a smaller window to showcase all these things okay. instead of this endless list of all of these uh, drinks that may or may not make sense. So that's a different uh, frame of reference. That's a different way of thinking about drinks. And 
it's a different clientele that's coming in there. So it's a different level of service that they're looking for. Understood. So with my new position, so you got, I mean, Roger, basically you started from the ground up. You had this, uh, Nathan, you kind of had this switch between like shutdowns from like one thing to another. I'm coming into a team that basically became a skeletal crew after COVID. So they had like two or three people stay on from like their original team past COVID. And then they hired a whole bunch of new people. And the old cocktail menu, I remember the guy saying, it's tiki without being, uh, without cultural appropriation. So I was like, so it's a tropical cocktail menu. He was like, oh, you know what? I want to call it like Southeast Asian meets South American. I'm like, cool, tropical cocktail menu. And (laughs) they're at the point where they're still trying to find their identity. So they're still trying to figure out what kind of cocktails to put in the menu. They're still trying to figure out what the identity for their bar is itself. And because of that, the relationships between the bartenders that are there now is kind of like shifting because there's no one person who's in charge. So everyone's kind of like vying for that top spot and being like, who can like puff out their chest the hardest, whose dick is bigger type of thing. And like, we're going into summer where it's this huge location and there's also an outside to it. So not only are we, it's going to be high volume. And most of the cocktails that we have are quite a few steps and they're not necessarily the most approachable for the public that we're attracting because we're open late. It's a big space. We have live music. So we're getting a lot of like the club kids in, not club kids like the RuPaul generation, but like Jaeger bomb. I had a dude ask me for a Vegas. Yeah, the, the vodka Red Bulls. Yeah. They're like, you don't have Red Bull? I'm like, no, I don't got fucking Red Bull. Do you look at my cocktail menu? I got passion fruit puree. You think I'm going to have fucking Red Bull? No. Yeah. But I accidentally saw... Let me get a vodka crayon. Let me get a vodka crayon. I had somebody accidentally see a bottle of blue curacao, and they're like, can I get an adios, motherfucker? And I'm like, you bitch. Because as soon as one person (laughs) asks for that, and people see a blue drink, everyone's going to fucking order one. Yeah. Everyone. And they're all asshole garbage people. I had a girl who basically, I tried to cut off, and kept going back and forth between the two bars, and by the end of the night, her tongue was blue. (laughs) Like I'm talking like like Violet Beauregard blue. Like Violet, you're turning violet, Violet. Like, except trash monster, your tongue's turning blue, trash monster. It's I. So join this bar team, because <laughs> that's what we're talking about. Uh <laughs> it's been interesting kind trying to kind of find our groove as a team and also our groove as an establishment as well. Which is still kind of hard, especially with summer like fast approaching on this. So I'm eager to see how this is going to turn out. Um, I have full faith in them. I'm just, I'm shit my pants personally. That's just me. I don't know. How long have they been open? Since September. Oh, so freshly new. Yeah. And the funny part is if you look at the cocktail list from their opening. Freshly, freshly new. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. They had like an old fashioned ice cube that you like cracked open and served. And like, that's how they started out as like a food hall bar. They're like, oh, super crafty. And now basically we're doing a paper plane, but with Falernum instead of Amaro Nani now. Interesting. Are they still trying to call it a paper plane? Or did they at least change the name? So that's actually really funny because when I first came on, it was still called the paper plane. And when people were asking me for it, I was making an actual paper plane. And then they were returning and being like, this isn't what I ordered. I'm like, that's a paper plane. That's a fucking paper plane. They're like, this isn't what's on the menu. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? So they changed it from paper plane to origami. 
That that's not a bad name, actually. I, like I don't that. mind it at all. It's actually a delicious cocktail, but it's my fault that they had to change the I'm name. Sure. Hmm. You know, everything's my fault, according to my father. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, I was going to say, well, now we know how you fit into the bar team. How do I fit into the bar team, Nathan? Uh, you're the one who's everything's your fault. Actually, that kind of sounds right. I was talking to one of the uh, the uppers about the, the new bar team. And she's like, we need to find, find a balance between the pirates and the shinies. And I was like the fuck does that mean? She's like, you know, you have some bartenders who are pirates and some who are shinies. I'm like, I don't know what you mean at all. She's like, you know, there's like the prim and proper ones who like wear suspenders and a bow tie. Those are shinies. And then you have the ones who have like tattoos and like talk like a sailor and basically just do whatever they want. And those are pirates. And I was like, okay, well, which one am I? And she goes, not really sure. You're somewhere in between. I'm like, cool. Por que no los dos? Por que no los dos? <laughs> I loved those commercials. Hard and soft del tacos. <laughs> uh, so let's try to find the topic back again because I'm kind of going off on a tangent. But we're talking about bar teams. So I kind of want to know what your experience was like joining your first bar team. Like, how did you jump into that? Hmm. Well, I had been uh, bartending for... Uh, or sorry, I'd been serving for about 10 years and I just kind of, I got bored of being a waiter because I felt like all you do as a waiter is you wait around, right? You wait for the guests to come in, you wait for the guests to order, you wait for the guests to eat, you wait for the guests to pay, you wait for the guests to leave. And then you wait until you get to do it all over again. And so I had, uh, I was working at this uh, restaurant. I was on the opening uh, staff and they saw I had some uh, beer and wine knowledge. So, so they're like, hey, why don't you hop behind the bar and help us out? And as soon as I did, I it was game over. Right? Because there's always something to do. You're not waiting for anything because you're cleaning or polishing or stocking or uh, making the drinks or taking the orders or would you uh, say that you're guests always guests tending to, to something hey <laughs> if only that was in the middle of the name of our job <laughs> and so but you're doing math and you're doing science and you're uh, communicating and you're entertaining and you're doing all of these things all the time all at once and it's just exciting and lively and when you're working you're making money and when nobody's coming in to give you money you go home like it's the perfect uh job especially when compared to being a server i felt and so i joined that bar team um and it was nice because i already knew all of the people who were working behind the bar because we all opened the restaurant together See, that's awesome. Already having like an established relationship before you actually reach behind or go behind the bar. Yeah. That's cool. Mm -hmm. So my first bar, I mean, my first bar job was, I'm not going to bore you with the details, but it was essentially me and just the bar manager behind the bar on my first shift. And I had no experience whatsoever because he asked me to make a martini and just dry shook vodka like an asshole. Um, and also if you listen to any of our other podcasts that we tried to do, uh, you would know that my first old fashioned I made was muddled maraschino cherries uh, 
orange slice and sweet and low in a glass. Mm. Delicious. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, yeah. But kind of starting off, the, starting with just working with the bar manager, I didn't really have to create a like a relationship with that because it was already established for me. It was a one-on-one type of thing, which was kind of cool. Yeah. So, so the bar manager kind of took you under your, uh, their wing? Yeah, he did. He kind of introduced me to everything that was like fine wine and craft cocktails. And eventually I took that knowledge and ran with it to my other bar jobs. Yeah. Nice. So Roger, what was your first uh, dive into bartending like? I was a bar back and I had the greatest fucking time of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm not going to lie. I had so much fun. Being, I was nine, 18, 19 years old. I was dishwashing at the time. They they needed a bar back at where I worked at, and I took the gig. It was again. I didn't learn a lot because it was a shot and beer bar. I mean, I did. Like that's where you learn your basic bartending and everything like that. And I didn't get the experience of being a waiter or anything like that, unfortunately. So my food knowledge was. You didn't miss much. Okay. <laughs> no offense to all the professional servers out there. <laughs> uh, but I mean, yeah, like I, I, I <laughs> sorry. That's good. That's a good one. I um the the bar team that I work I was working for the the amount of talent behind that team too. Like one guy ended up like running like three 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 bars in in vegas the other one was a manager or was a gm in like morristown um their experience kind of like helped me like gain as much knowledge as i needed i mean they were more teaching me like the the hard labor of things like the simple things that you tend to forget changing kegs organizing a liquor room like the little things fifo yeah I was I was the guy that did all that. Organized the keg room, organized the liquor room, um, everything. They that was the bar bitch, and I I loved every single second of it. <laughs> nice. So, with talking about like our first bar jobs, obviously, everyone's uh, Nathan. You started off by going into a team that you already knew. Roger, you kind of started off by starting lower and then graduating me kind of just jumping in, not knowing what the fuck I was doing that first transition into a new bar team. So you have your first bartending job. You get super confident, 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 and comfortable. Actually, I like comfort and it's a cool word. I'm going to use it. TM, TM, TM. Uh, <laughs> you get super confident and comfortable in your, your one job. And then you make that transition for whether, whatever reason it might be. So my first transition from that, like I started in fine dining cocktails and my first transition was actually into more of like a, um, a franchise chain restaurant where they had three different locations. And of course they all have the same cocktail menu, but it was like one of those places that's like, oh, like it's $4 sangria on this night and like 250 draft beers at lunch. So moving from like an elevated respect for cocktails to pump it out, do it as fast as you can. Um, like neighborhood bar, if you will, that adjustment was kind of weird for me, especially because I'm coming in. Like, I think I know so much because I've been a craft cocktail bartender and going into this, realizing that bartenders more than just knowing recipes. It's about like being a personality. 
So that was probably the first place that I realized that like, I actually have to like talk to people about their day and kind of care (laughs) because they're going to come in every single day. Like, I mean, you have regulars at fine dining restaurants, but this is a bar where like Joe sat at the corner for 70 fucking years and then died last week. And everyone's really sad. I mean, like you're sad when people die, obviously, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so me coming in there, I was that pretentious prick that was kind of just like, I know everything. And people are like, yeah, fuck you. So kind of trying to figure out how to gel with them and kind of relearn a way of working was kind of hard for me at first. It took a few months for me to get used to, but eventually it was probably the best move that I could have made because if I kept going to cocktail bartending, I could have ended up like one of those pretentious fuckers with a bow tie and suspenders working at. I don't know, like Williams and Graham or something. So what was it that you did to make that transition into that team? I kind of just let my ego go. I kind of just, I Mm. took on service bar just because I was able to pump out stuff really fast and kind of watched and listened and like got to know people after work. And from there, kind of built a relationship with those people to see where I fit in. And kind of to see how I can transition my one mind into how they think and become a part of that community. Because ultimately, when you're joining a new bar team, you're becoming part of a new community. Mm-hmm. Facts. Yeah. I don't know. So, Roger, what was it like to go from... So, did you go from bar backing to bartending at that job? I did. And um, the transition into bartending, it, it was... It was I wouldn't say easy. I mean, they had me training as a bartender, even when I was bar backing, like they had me do like, go get me a couple like bottles of Bud Light, pour me this beer, make me a vodka tonic, like two-step stuff, like simple things. But the biggest transition, I kind of had an opposite of yours. I transitioned from a bar where it was important. You got, you had to get like, get along with the regulars. You had to build your clientele because you're going to work those day shifts where it's going to be slow as shit on a Monday or Tuesday, but you hope to God that your regulars come in and just sit there and have a couple beers and watch some sports center and sit there and actually want to talk to you. And I built that following. I, uh, I was, I'm a big football fan. So a lot of the times I always had sports on TV and I would have my regulars come in during lunch and we would just shoot the shit about the football season during that year. And who is your football then I transitioned team? I'm a Steelers fan. Oh, that's Let's go. right. Black and yellow, black and yellow, baby. <laughs> Nathan, are you a football fan? <laughs> um, I pretty much like everybody with the Steelers. Oh, oh. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, I... And I thought we were friends. <laughs> I mean, I'm a Dolphins fan, so I really can't talk, so... Yeah, you you really shouldn't. <laughs> Listen, I grew up during the Marino era, so it, it was accessible. Back ah, and then Philbin fucked enough. us over with fair Ryan Tannehill. But anyway, back to you, Roger. I'm sorry. No, it's all good. We'll talk football off camera. Well, I have a couple things to say, but uh, but yeah, I building my clientele and, and like understanding of getting to know and read different people. It helped me transition into a cocktail bar very easily. Like I, I would have to say like. Within weeks, I hit it, hit it off with their with their regulars, their clientele. My biggest transition would have to be just learning how to make craft cocktails, like like a vucare or like the proper way of making an old fashioned. Um, 
when we did our old fashioned episode, my first old fashioned was a fucking rusty nail. And I, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I, yeah. I forever, I forever thought that's how you made an old fashioned. Cause that's how that fucking guy asked, wanted his old fashioned. And I, oh, wow. yeah. And I learned at the, at the craft cocktail bar that trained me. Um, shout out to Verb Restaurant. We, uh, we ended up winning best bar in New Jersey 2019 when I was the head bartender there. So, um, nice yep. Nice flex. A nice flex. Funk master flex. But, uh, beep, 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 beep. Yeah, that place, that transition was the biggest transition for me. It was scary as hell. I thought I was the like hottest shit in the world. Like most bartenders, we all have our fucking egos. And I thought I was hot shit. And then when I walked into Verve, I literally put my tail between my legs and listened to Steve Fetty and Nick Regenbald and did my thing. Oh, shout out to Steve Fetty. Mr. Fetty Wop. Hope you're doing well, sir. Mr. Fetty Wop. So shout out to Nick too. I hope you're doing well, brother. So Nathan, so obviously, I mean, it's, it's your turn next. <laughs> it's Rose's turn. Hey, Mr. Yeah. Arnstein, here I am. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, your adjustment. It, it wouldn't be time spent with Cody Banks without some show tunes. Oh, so. I know. Cause I'm super gay with show tunes. It's the gayest part about so, me. Besides for me sex. What? So for me, uh, <laughs> so for you, so after I started bartending at that uh, restaurant that I helped open, I also helped close it. Uh, it was not long for this world. And so I had to look around for a new spot, but here I was an inexperienced bartender that was really looking to, uh, get into it. I was, I was hungry. I was young. I was very much like Roger Aquino and, um, so long ago. Uh, so I applied at the best cocktail bar in Philadelphia. It was rated the best cocktail bar in Philadelphia. It had a name for being the best cocktail bar in Philadelphia, uh, because it was, I mean, for better or worse, it was, uh, modeled after bars in New York and other places. And it was that uh, classic uh, uh, nouveau speakeasy style. And the fuck is nouveau they were very speakeasy? Intense. Well, bars that call themselves speakeasies. They're obviously not speakeasies because they're legal drinking establishments. And oh, okay. you're not drinking hooch and moonshine and bathtub gin. You're drinking actual well-made uh, spirits that are mixed well by knowledgeable bartenders. So it's not really a speakeasy, but it's the idea of a speakeasy, right? Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So I went there and the only reason I got the job is because I was such a nerd that I was literally reading Jerry Thomas, uh, Bon Vivant's Companion. So the very first cocktail book that was ever written, ever, I had a copy and I was reading it like cover to cover, like it was a textbook that I needed to study because that's honestly how I looked at it. I'm like, if I'm going to learn this thing, let me start back at the beginning and do it right. And most bartenders don't learn that way. So the owner was impressed. Uh, it was interesting because typically the people that he hired were not bartenders at all. His favorite people to hire were baristas. 
because it was like you were saying, Roger, where it's apart from the drink recipes that you have to learn. Anyone can learn recipes. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why there are so many cocktail books is because you write down a recipe, you read the recipe, you follow the recipe, you know how to make that drink. But being a bartender is so much more than that. It's about interacting with the guests. It's about learning uh, what the guest wants and what the guest needs, which are not always the same thing. Mm. And it's about being able to do that while you're following a certain amount of prescri prescribed steps. And that's what baristas do. They're talking to the guests, they're taking their order, and they're able to do that while they're making a six-step drink recipe, mm -hmm. uh, steaming the milk for the proper amount of time, adding the right coffee and syrups and and whatever and making that beautiful design all while they're entertaining the people that are in front of them it's the same skill set it's just a different bar that they work behind and it's different liquid that's the only thing that's different and so uh they were very very intense like it was um i wasn't even hired as a, a bartender i was hired as a bar back because they had everybody start there. And actually, you started as a server, and then uh, that way you got to know the menu. And then you were promoted to barback because barback was just as intensive a job as the bartender because the barback was in charge of the juice mm -hmm. because they would juice a la minute. Oh, which no, means that fuck that. They didn't. They didn't uh, juice a gallon of lime juice or lemon juice. They would squeeze the exact amount of lime juice, lemon juice, grape juice, uh, watermelon juice, pineapple juice. I'm sorry, grape juice? juice? Yeah, they're uh, both red and white grape juice. So, oh, wait. Oh, no, I got – no, I got – do not move past the subject. Juices. No, hold on. Do not go past this subject about grape juice. I have questions. Uh, how? How? <laughs> yeah. so behind the bar, they had both kinds of juicers. So they had the uh, sun-kissed um, mechanical uh, citrus juicer. Okay. So, so, that, uh, so the oh, electric machine. citrus reamer. Yeah. Ooh, and reamer. then they also had a whole fruit juicer. So the kind where you can drop a apple whole in uh the top and it spits the pulp out one direction and the juice out the other direction okay so question and, on this one so what yeah. kind of grapes were you using was it just like Shoprite red grapes or was he like oh i'm going to use concord grapes and like champagne grapes for these uh when i was there it was just red and white but honestly i would not put it past him to increase the number of grapes that he was using. Because in all honesty, when you said and grape because, juice, I'm picturing that woman like stomping on grapes in that video where she's like, oh, 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 and she like falls out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was me. That was my job was to stomp the grapes. Everything else we put through the machine, but the grapes I would just stomp. On. Obviously. Yes, of course. Cool. Yeah. Cause that's the best way to juice. Cool. 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 Everyone tight, tight, tight. This. All right. Yeah. I, I know. And so, they would call out the drinks that were on the uh, ticket that came in, kind of like a French kitchen where they would uh, just call out the entire uh, ticket 
And I would have to, one, keep the uh, order in my head and make sure that they were in the right order. And then I had to remember the juice recipes for each of those drinks, fill these little cups and then put those cups at the bartender's elbow so that after he had put all the alcoholic ingredients in, he could just dump it uh, right into the drink. And if I messed up my drink, then he messed up his drink. So it was just as important for me to get those recipes right. So you didn't get a fucking ticket? You had to just hear like what juices were needed from which bartender and just do that? Nope. Oh, no, fuck that. It was... Nope. But that's the thing, is, like I said, that's how French kitchens are run. And it trains your mind to be able to remember and be able to think on your feet. And it was a honestly terrible job, but it was a wonderful foundation for the rest of my bartending career because it trained me how to think and how to build and how to create on the fly while I'm working and dealing with guests and doing all the other things that are part of being a bartender. Yeah. No, I spent most of my life trying to forget things that happened. I don't want to increase my memory. (laughs) No, fuck that. Absolutely not. But that does sound like a great thing for like all you bartenders be like, yo, foundations do that get it that movement behind the bar must have been beautiful though oh that, yeah that, the bartender dance I, I would have loved to have been able to see that i do love a good bartender dance oh. yeah yeah when that rhythm well, is down oh it's perfect yeah except the way that bar was set up is that they never moved it was just me running back and forth mm. from one bartender to the juicer from the juicer to the other bartender from that bartender back to the juicer back to the other bartender just me going in a very fast triangle. Oh. Sweating and trying not to spill. Well, that's fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I I, I have – my only comment is fuck that. But cool. Good for you. <laughs> I'm so I'm, – I love that journey for you. Uh, speaking of journeys, <laughs> I would love to talk about the journey of building a barn team from the ground up. So I know, Roger, you are currently – in the midst of joining a bar team from the ground up. But obviously Nathan, who is much, much, much older than the rest of us has obviously built his own <laughs> bar team. So I'm wondering on uh, like, what was your first experience on kind of like building a bar team and creating that original community? So I had the opportunity to help open up a bar and I was in charge of, um, writing the menu, developing the entire program, and then uh, hiring all of the bar staff. And it's kind of like Roger mentioned, you're trying to make a well-balanced cocktail, uh, except your ingredients are all volatile, right? Because every bartender is, has an ego and every bartender has their own expectations and every bartender has their own uh, biases because everybody's coming in thinking, well, I know the best way to do things. And so it's a matter of filling in enough uh, different varieties and people who are going to be able to hold others in check and to kind of get everyone on the same level so that there is consistent uh, respect between everybody on the bar team, even if they have different levels of experience that 
there can still be this same level of respect shared among all of them because that's what's going to bring the team together and be able to work as a unit. And honestly, beyond that, it's just having fun and building camaraderie because you need to be able to enjoy spending time with the people that you're going to be stuck behind this bar for six to 10 hours oh, dear God. on any given shit. That's right. Mm-hmm. Dear fucking God. And yeah. <laughs> and to know who you need to give some freedom to and who you need to encourage and who you need to keep in line and uh, to give everybody on the same page so that even if they're going to interpret it their own way, because everybody is going to interpret things the way that they see it, but they're still interpreting your vision so that the end result is consistent for the guest because you have to keep the guest primary. Yeah. It's still a hospitality industry at, at the foremost. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, where Nathan was kind of starting his own bar team from the ground up, I know, Roger, we've talked about it like six or seven times this episode, but you're joining a ground. You're joining a bar team from the ground up. And I know that we both know a lot of these people who are on your team. And the one who's kind of your lead bartender is like our age and stuff. So it's not like Nathan, who's Mm -hmm. like 40 years older than the one he's hiring. Um, what, what is it like trying to, I mean, form a bar team with someone who's almost the same age as you and you're superior. I understand you look at them in like a light to where like they're above you, but did you always feel, do you usually go into a team submissively and kind of figure out what's going on or I, I, yeah. Um, this is the second or third job now that I have gone into knowing that like I have experience. I have, I have a background on like award-winning, I'm an award-winning bartender. I've won competitions, I've competed, whatever. But this is the first time where I came in as a submissive rather than the dominant ego. Um, Okay. I went into a job previous to the job I'm in now just for a short while. And I went in thinking that I was the hottest shit in the world. Like the bar manager at the time, um, I didn't respect her at all. And that's the big thing right there. My answer is just simply respect. I, um, shout out to Kane. Uh, Kane is an absolute great leader. Um, the way that he communicates with us, the way that he talks to us, and he may he may, he he says it a lot that he doesn't mean to be an asshole, but I don't ever think he's ever been an asshole. Um, the I remember the one time I was making one of our cocktails, a curious cucumber, which is just a um, a split base with prairie cucumber, uh, Roku gin, and uh, Saint Germain, and it was on crushed ice with club soda. Um, it, it's a, it's a basic, like it's a BB basic girl. It's cocktail, a BB you know? cocktail. Yeah, I got you. Exactly. Exactly. And I was making it and I made the steps incorrectly. Like I, it's a whip shake rather than a full shake. And I full shaked it. 
And I caught myself and I told him and he was right there. And he's like, nah, man, I'm sorry, but you got to do it again. And like in my mind, I know like in my mind, like a couple minutes later, like I was fine with it. I did it. Like I was like, okay, cool. Like I just went and redid the whole cocktail, dumped it and everything. Yeah. He, he, he left the bar and in my mind, I'm thinking like, yo, like if this was, if this was the, the previous bar manager that I had, if she would have said that to me, I probably would have laughed in her face. And it's because like we've been saying, bartenders have egos and to go back and answer your question, my biggest thing is just respect, man. Like, I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you've been it, if you've been doing it less or longer than, than me or less than me. If, if you have my respect, I will. I will work as hard as I physically and emotionally could for you. And, and he gained my respect right away. And yeah. Yeah. I've, I mean, I respect Kane in that aspect because I have never been able to successfully lead a bar team from the ground up. Uh, the one time that I tried. And it's an understanding too. I mean, the, the first time I tried to do it. It's always understanding. It like they brought on a whole bunch of people from like their old staff. And so they automatically knew what they wanted to do and me trying to just incorporate myself into that. And you guys know me, like I'm a pretty big personality and I don't mean to come off like a cunt, but I am. No, <laughs> no way. <laughs> I, and I don't mean to come off that way, but I mean, I've had success where I've been part of the starting team and grown into a manager aspect just for the fact that like, I have this mama bear complex where when I'm behind the bar, like you give me recipes and you give me a steps of service, I'm going to follow it to exactly what you want. And whether it's my job or not, I'm going to make sure my fellow coworkers around me kind of adhere to that. So that's kind of why I move up into manager positions quite often. But starting from the ground up, I can do it as a bartender. Absolutely. I absolutely love forming new relationships and creating a culture in a bar. But I, I don't want to fucking start like manage one from the ground up. Absolutely not. I don't want to pick people and have them and have to like create a respect right off the bat. That that seems way too hard for me. Absolutely fucking not. No, I'm OK. Yeah. Yeah, it's not easy. Cuz it's a lot to juggle, a lot to manage. Yeah. And there's plenty that could go wrong because it's I mean, dealing with bartenders is always like herding cats anyway. But <laughs> trying to build a bar team is is managing a lot of egos. And it's a uh, chemistry where one wrong move and it's uh you just made explosives yeah i can barely manage my own ego so uh fuck that <laughs> i'm not afraid to admit that but on a lighter note so <laughs> i know we've all probably gone through it or at least like pushed someone through it but like bar hazing or like restaurant hazing like the new team member comes on and you just want to fuck with them just to kind of see like how thick their skin is. Like one of the favorite people that I worked with, her name is Megan and her first week, like she's, she's smart and she's super pretty, but she plays like she's dumb until like, she actually realized like there's just some type of naivety to her and it's hysterical. And we were closing up and it was one of the first shifts that I was with her. And I was like, Hey, do me a favor. Like before you're done uh, sweeping, can you empty the hot water tank? And this girl is sitting there. I probably say for about like a half hour, 40 minutes, like, <laughs> like with court containers, I'm not I'm like a big pitcher or like a bucket with court containers, like pouring it out, dumping it in the sink, pouring it out, dumping it in the sink. I felt so bad, but I wasn't going to tell her anything. 
<laughs> yeah, this is like from the coffee machine. Oh yeah, from it's the coffee machine, from the, the coffee tap. So you know it's a direct yeah. Oh, line. Yeah. Terrible. And then we also told her that she ordered a spicy margarita, and I was like, "Yo, can you do me a favor? I'm out of jalapenos, can you get one from Chef's Jalapeno Tree?" And she actually went to our chef and was like, "Hey, where's the jalapeno tree? The bar Did needs some jalapeno." She asked him where the jalapeno tree is. And he looks at me like he knew. He looked at me across the line and he just starts laughing. I'm like, ah, she asked you where the jalapeno tree was. That's fucking great. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys have any have any bar hazing that you usually do or that's been done to you even? Yeah. So back when I was a server, I was working at this very old restaurant. It had been there forever. And. A lot of the staff had been there for a while, especially in the kitchen. And so, you know, as a server, you have some uh, interaction with the chefs, usually over the line when you're waiting for your food. And the I walk into the kitchen on like my first or second uh, actual shift once I'm done training. And they're engrossed in a conversation. Okay. And while I'm waiting for my food, I listen to the conversation because there's nothing else to do and the one chef is trying to explain to the other chef the plot of the movie Jurassic Park okay and the second chef is completely dumbfounded because he has never heard of this movie ever before and I know I've been doing this a while but this was not right when the movie came out. This was like 10 years after Jurassic Park had become oh my a land. cultural phenomenon. And so they wrote me into it and they get me explaining every detail of the plot of Jurassic Park uh-huh. because I'm like, how could you not have heard of this movie? It's amazing. And I go on and on about Jeff Goldblum and all the other actors and characters and the amazing CGI and Steven Spielberg and blah, blah, blah. And at the end, he's like, oh, yeah, thanks so much. I'll I'll have to check that out tonight. A night or two later, I happened to hear those same two chefs talking to each other. And the one guy's like, yeah, we JP'd that new server, Nathan, uh, pretty good, right? We completely convinced that you didn't know what Jurassic Park was. So, and the whole thing, <laughs> was an thing especially because a couple of weeks later they hired a new server, and I walk into the exact same conversation that they're having with this new server. That's, and I'm like, well, at least it wasn't only me. That's awesome. I, I mean, I hate to admit it, but I have also never seen Jurassic Park at all. But you're at least familiar with it. No. You know that it exists is what I mean. I know that it exists. The only thing I can really tell you is that like a, a trapeze, I mean, a T-Rex. Wow. Um, a trapeze. <laughs> That's what's in there. A T-Rex starts attacking people through a car. What do you think T stands for? It's trapeze Rex. Duh. <laughs> oh, that makes so much sense. That's why they're so like uh, – I almost said. That's why they they have big legs and no arms because they're just jumping on a trampoline. Yeah, trampoline, trapeze, (laughs) T Rex. It's science. Trapezosaurus Rex. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) It's science. Duh. (laughs) Uh, I don't remember what we were talking. Oh, bar hazing. 
Roger, did anyone ever fuck with you when you first started, or did you ever fuck with anyone? Um, I used to make uh, new barbacks polish all glassware. Wine glasses, coupes, martinis, rocks glasses, uh, highballs, everything. Oh, everything. I had, a, I had a I had a I actually actually come to remember it. I had a uh, a bar back first day, first day ever. I told him, I want you to shine all the shakers. Oh my god. Wow. Yeah, and yeah, he was there for like 20 minutes shining all the shakers. And I was like, I want to be able to see myself in my shaker, my guy. Like, you got to take care of this fucking thing. Oh, anytime he walked you away, I put my hands think- all over it. <laughs> I, I actually think that's a really great idea because that gets to the heart of what we've been talking about. And that's ego. Like being willing to put your ego aside and to say, all right, for this bar to be the best possible bar, Every shaker needs to be shiny. Every glass, every exact piece of glass needs to be spotless. And even beyond that is bottles. Uh, I heard a story once from Dale DeGroff, King Cocktail himself, who basically started the cocktail renaissance here in the U.S. And he lied his way into his first uh, bartending gig. And Mm -hmm. they put him on the lunch shift, which was pretty slow. And his bar manager told him to polish every bottle. And as he was polishing the bottle, he was looking at the bottle and he was turning it over and reading the back of the bottle. Mm-hmm. And he was popping the cork and smelling it or maybe taking a quick swig. But he was learning every bottle behind his bar. And by the end of the shift or after several shifts, as he's polishing and polishing and polishing these bottles, he knew everything he needed to know about every bottle because he was willing to take the time and humble himself and not say, ah, that's beneath me. He learned so much and that started his career that led to all of our careers. See, I mean, shout out to King cocktail for uh, putting his ego aside. See, I just, I, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, that's putting your ego aside, which is kind of hard for me to do. And I completely admit to that because if someone told me to polish bottles, I would do it. But you bet your ass I wouldn't be looking at it the entire time and be sitting there like motherfucking cocksucker asking me to polish these goddamn bottles. Just sitting there. That's the biggest advice you got to give. That's the best advice you give to a bartender going into anywhere. Just lose the ego. If you're not in any type of leadership role, drop that fucking ego and do what you need to do. Make that money, honey. That's it. You know, honestly, yeah, I mean. That's a big thing. Like just kind of when you're joining a new bar team to just kind of drop your ego, learn how people do things because you're not necessarily relearning how to bartend, but you're learning how the community that you're joining is, is bartending currently. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's a huge thing because if you want to kind of fit into that community, you kind of have to humble your, I mean like humble yourself. You have to be open and willing to understand that community, almost like that new tribe where you're going in. You don't know their rules. You don't know the culture. You don't know their language. You have to go in with an open mind to learn. In order to do that, you do have to drop your ego. Mm -hmm. Something I still have not done (laughs) in all honesty. Something that we all struggle with. Yo, for real though. I mean, so that's, I mean, if we can give any advice to anyone joining a new bar team or just getting into bartending, Drop the ego, humble yourself, just be open to experience, always be open to learning. Because one of the things about bartending is 
it's cool because he goes, you're constantly continuing education. There's always new cocktail books coming out. There's new spirits being released. There is always something for you to learn. There's no reason why you should stop learning. There's no reason why you should just sit on that back bar and be like, well, I'm bored. Why aren't I making enough money? If that's your mentality, then maybe you shouldn't be doing this type of thing. A lot of career bartenders, they strive to learn about what they're doing and the industry that they're in. And I think that's a huge part that people are missing nowadays because you can kind of see, especially with COVID, that the hospitality industry is moving back towards a service industry. And it's, it's sad to see because we've made so many strides, even in like the past 20 years, even the past like five or six years, trying to convert from a service industry into a hospitality industry where people can come and get away and just have fun and mm-hmm. spark up a conversation with a bartender and learn about a spirit, learn about a cocktail. And with COVID, you kind of lost that and it's kind of like restarting all over. So our journey to being hospitable again has restarted And in all honesty, it's going to start with us changing that. It's going to be us bringing our egos back, being like, you know what? This is the level that we are at. This is the people level people that are coming in again. We have to restart, re-educate ourselves, relearn how to talk to people, and relearn this new normal, in all honesty. Preach. Thank you. I mean, right on the money. I don't know why I even like went off on that tangent, but it felt good. And this has been open to close. Thanks so much for joining. Uh, Thank you guys for joining us for our second episode of Open to Close. I just want to give some shout outs to our brand manager, Maria, who has done all of our rebranding and website design and who is also Roger's better half. So thank you very much, Maria. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in to listen to us and hopefully enjoying what you hear. Thank you, Roger and Nathan, for supporting me and joining me on this weird venture that we are creating. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Carolee, for birthing me. I really appreciate that, too. It was kind of cool. Um, <clears throat> also, to I'm going to take this moment to give you guys a little plug. So, obviously, Open to Close is a part of the Pickled Ginger, which is um, mine and Roger's kind of uh, – I guess you could say it's like a company. It's an LLC. It's super cool. You know, like we have our own business. It's really awesome. But we do consulting and we do uh, branded events and online classes. And we actually joined up with Morpheus Productions Company out of New Jersey. It's our bar child. It is our bar child. We have a baby together. That's so cute. Who does he look like? (laughs) He's got your eyes, definitely. Um, (laughs) But we have joined up with Morpheus Production Company out in New Jersey who does live theater events um online and so what we are doing we're doing this thing called toasted flicks live (laughs) where nathan and roger will be teaching you guys three different cocktails based off of a movie that morpheus productions will perform as a reading live so it's really cool may 2nd is going to be our first iteration of this tickets for that are going to be 15 dollars um, that includes the general mission to be able to watch the show and to kind of watch the class itself. It also includes online copies of our recipes, toolkits, and shopping lists. However, for $25 extra that you can add on, it includes a cocktail kit for two, which we will send out to you. So that cocktail kit, whoa, cocktail kit includes uh, three of our very special ingredients that whoa. we will teach you how to make <laughs> during the class. And uh, so each kit is $25 it is enough for two people. And those are on sale for limited time only until April 18th. So once again, the show will be May 2nd, 7 p.m. 
If you want, check us out on Instagram at the.pickleginger. Check it out on our website at the-pickleginger. You can also check out Morpheus Productions Co. on Instagram. Try to find tickets through that. If you guys have any questions, please give us a send us an email at podcast.tpg at gmail.com. And thank you guys for joining us. And I'm so happy to have you listening to us open to close. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.